from Mark 16, the first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in, white, in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him, but go tell the, his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because, trim, because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. All right. Well, I know we're having some sound problems and whatnot, but I tell you what, people have preached the gospel in harder circumstances than this. And no matter what has happened, I know that Christ Jesus has risen from the dead. So I'm excited to talk about what Jesus has done for us today. Also, if you got kids, they, they can be loud. It's okay. I got kids too. Um, my kids, I, I hear them. They're in my office. I hear them all the time. I just, the, the cry is amen. I, that, that's, it's just, they just stay just feeling the spirit uh, or the tummy out. Um, either way, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I love, I love to hear children because that means we got life in our congregation. So we'll praise God for that. So, you know, today is Easter or it's Resurrection Sunday. And, and Resurrection Sunday can only be understood in light of Holy Saturday. So on Friday, we had uh, something called Good Friday service. We commemorated the fact that, that Jesus died on that day for our sins. And today, we're celebrating that he rose from the dead. But there's this whole day in between that Friday and Sunday. And that Saturday, that was one of darkness and sadness for the disciples of Jesus. That was one, uh, a day of confusion. A day where they're like, is what we believe, is it even true? Did we follow this man and, and then come to realize that all of our hopes and dreams have been broken? See, Saturday represents hopes and dreams dying. See, Sunday hits different when you understand the reality of Saturday. Sunday hits different if you understand the darkness of that Saturday. See, see that, the gospel, it means good news. Now listen, it, this is more good news. Like when you wake up and you look at your phone and you're like, oh, it's going to be good weather today. It, it's not that type of good news. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about good news that hits you in the midst of very, very bad news. See, the, the news of Sunday is, is, like, is, like, is like hearing of, of food in the midst of famine. 
The news of Sunday is like receiving a cure for a debilitating sickness. The news of Sunday is like hearing the declaration of your freedom from years of slavery. The news of Sunday is peace overtaking war. Yes, even the resurrection is good news for those who have been faithful. But get this, the resurrection is also good news for the ones who have been trapped in guilt and shame and sin. Beloved, this, this good news is good news to every ear that would hear it and believe it and receive it. And so as we look at the text today, I want you to remember at the beginning of this text, at the beginning of this chapter, I want you to understand they are in the midst of the shadows and the darkness of that Saturday. But that light is going to dawn. I want to take a look at one particular individual in this passage. Verse 1, it, it, it talks about this, this woman named Mary Magdalene. In Luke 8, 2, it says that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. This was a woman who knew pain, who knew struggle, who knew suffering, and had an intense and personal knowledge of evil. Yet Jesus delivered her, and from that point on, she became a close follower of Jesus. You know, you, you look at her history of deliverance and then devotion. See, it's, it's a microcosm of the work that Jesus can do. In Acts 10, 38, it summarizes Jesus' ministry like this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. Now that might just seem like a fanciful sentence to you. But to Mary, that was her testimony. To Mary, that was the truth of all truths. See, here's the deal. That the story of deliverance is not just about words on a page. But it points to a deep experience of freedom. If you've ever talked to those whom you would consider have intense devotion to Jesus, and if you actually sit down and if you actually talk to them, they don't only have a story of devotion, they have a story of deliverance. They can remember when they were down and out. They can remember when they were covered in shame. I can remember when I was down in shame, when I did not serve him, and I was shackled to my sin, and I experienced this deliverance. Beloved, when I talk about deliverance, it's not just words on the page. It's an experience that has been lived out. Me and many others can tell you of this, this good and the healing that the Son of God has brought us. So it's no wonder that Mary said, well, I'm going to just go over here. Whatever he's going to do, I'm going to be there. If he's going over there, if he's going to teach over there, I'm coming. I'm going to support him. I'm going to be devoted to him because he has freed me. But get this, y'all. Her devotion to God was challenged and challenged severely by the events that happened the two days before this passage. Now get this, Mary who had been delivered, Mary who had, who had been freed from the demonic power, this Mary, she had witnessed 
the death of her Savior. In Mark 15, verse 37, it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officers who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James Younger, and Salome. I want you to understand, when Jesus breathed his life, his, his last, from the point of view of Mary, all her hopes and dreams had died. See, see we, when we think about the death of Jesus, we, we look at the resurrection of, well, yeah, well, we know it's going to happen. But we, we understand that when Jesus died, even though Jesus told his disciples that he would die and rise again, they, they didn't quite understand it. So when Jesus died, I'm sure Mary was wondering, what is of my future? I have staked my life on following him. And he is no longer here. See, uh, uh, imagine the one you put your hope in. Tragically taken away from you. We can't even remember what the disciples said. One time Jesus looked at his disciples and people were leaving him. And, and, and he said, are you, are you going to leave? They said, we've left everything to follow you. We don't, we don't have anything to fall back on because we left it all in order to follow you. So you can, you can imagine what it feels like to have hopes and dreams shattered. Like, like the job that you thought would provide for your family, gone. Or the spouse that you thought would always be there, gone. Or, or the future that you had hoped being ripped away from you. On, on that Friday, Mary's hope died. And dead hopes no longer provide stability. See, if you have a solid hope, that can, that can give you a sense of, uh, of stability, that, that you're, you're standing on solid ground. But all of a sudden, the ground she was standing on started to shift. Not only did she observe his death, but she was there for his burial. In Mark 15, verse 46, it says, Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in from the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. You know, I've, I've been to a funeral. I'm sure y'all been at the graveside. And, and even though that person might have passed away, there's something that hits different when the casket is lowered, right? You feel that finality. It, it, it hits you that, man, this, this change has happened and, and, and nothing is going to change it. See, imagine her seeing his lifeless body. The one who gave life and deliverance was limp and cold. The one who raised the dead taken by death, death itself. At, at times, traumatic events can seem frozen. Into, I don't know if you've had some trauma, but sometimes it's like it just seems like it's just going by slow. And as if you're watching yourself in the event. I can imagine that the finality of this burial and the stone being closed, she might have thought that her future was closing. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing about Mary. 
And, 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 and juxtaposed to the disciples, listen, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples ran, right? They was like, peace, we out. I ain't going to be here. I don't want to get hurt. But Mary was there. Mary observed the whole thing, observed the death, observed the, the burial. And here, here's the deal. When we find her in chapter 16, her devotion still has not waned. See, Mary continues to honor Christ in the face of her broken hopes. Look at, look at verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? You know, we don't really gather spices, but, but imagine gathering flowers to go visit the grave. And that moment of preparation, you can imagine the, the sorrow and the somberness. Imagine them waking up early. I, I can see her moving forward and saying, I'm going to still try to continue my devotion to my Savior who is dead. But then they were like, there's this stone in the way. See, see her moving forward and see another obstacle for her devotion. Now, what does this teach us? See, some of us know this feeling. Like, have you sought to obey the Lord in, an, in the middle of broken dreams and daunting obstacles? Did, did you ever wonder as you were serving the Lord? Like, just be honest. Is, has it been worth it? Have you ever thought, does he see me? I, I'm following him, and it just seems like obstacle after obstacle and plan after plan is failing. Does he see me? And I can imagine in that moment, was she not tempted with, does, does he see? Does, does God see this? Does, does this mean anything? I'm trying to serve him. I follow him. I was there when he was dead. Like, where is he? I don't know if he even sees it. But here's the deal. Mary was not disappointed in her continued devotion. Look at verse 4. Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very lost, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And you will see him there just as he told you. I imagine when that, that, that history of, of just trying to, to fight through these obstacles and these shattered dreams and these broken hopes. That moment when she saw that angel there. That moment when she saw the stone roll away. That moment when she heard the news. He is risen. At that moment, all of her devotion, I imagine to her, had been worth it. She saw the reward of her devotion. See, the resurrection was and is the assurance that all those who put their hope in the Lord will not be ashamed. You might feel some shame now. You might feel a bit of frustration now, but there will be a day there will be no shame where the sacrifices will have seemed to be worth it. See, the resurrection is both the victory and the assurance of victory. The resurrection is evidence that God sees his people and we and will act on their behalf. So my, one of my encouragements this morning is, 
if you have been seeking the Lord, you're like, dog, this is hard. Does he see? Beloved, he sees. He sees. And he will not allow you to be put to shame. But, but what about those of us who did not have the devotion of man? What, what, about, what about us who aren't quite as devoted as her? Is it good news for us? Is it good news for us? If you look at verse 7, when Mary sees the angel, he says, but go tell the disciples and Peter. So we have to ask ourselves, why, why is Peter identified? Maybe you think, well, Peter must have been the best of them. You know, Peter, Peter must have, he must have really been serious about it. Now, in reality, Peter had just betrayed Jesus publicly. In Mark 14, verse 62, it says, Meanwhile, this is when, when Jesus is on trial. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came in and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You are one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. He went out into the entryway, just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders com confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. It's like Peter saying, I swear to God, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. That's the last interaction we have with Peter in this gospel. Like, like Peter, the outspoken one, who said he would, he's like, even if everybody else don't follow you, I'm going to be there. That's the one who betrayed him. I mean, like, like the guilt and the shame of his own failure had gripped him. He had come face to face with his own sin and presumption and weakness. And I imagine some of us who might not characterize our lives as that devoted might understand a little bit of how Peter was feeling. That shame and that guilt and trying to hide from God. Knowing, knowing that your mind might be plagued with surely he won't accept me after I have done this. Or after I have done that. Beloved, the good news of the resurrection is good news even for those who have been faithless. The resurrected Christ specifically calls the one who rejected him. He, he is going to search for the one who rejected him. The one who is uh, in, a, in, a, in a cloud of shame and a cloud of guilt. The one who thinks, oh, Jesus, if he resurrected, surely he wouldn't want to see me. Or maybe I might be at the last of the line. Says, no, no, the one who rejected me, the, that one, I want to see him. This is the, the Jesus of restoration. See, Christ rose again to communicate his forgiveness to the one who rejected him.
I can, I can imagine Peter coming to see the resurrected Christ. And in the back of his mind, he's like, man, ain't, he probably don't want to see me. He probably is going to bring up that time when I, when I publicly rejected him. But no, Christ resurrected to assure sinners that he would forgive them. Those of us who are put down with regret, with grief, and with shame need to know that Christ has risen to grant us forgiveness. And beloved, he even calls you today. If Peter were here, if Peter was preaching, what he would say is what he said in Acts 10, 43. He, Jesus, is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. He's not talking about something he read on a page. He's talking about forgiveness that he received deeply. A forgiveness that, that changed him, that brought him out of shame, that let him leave his guilt, and that made him one who would proclaim, hey, the same forgiveness that I have received, it is available for every single person. You know, when, when we think about the resurrection, sometimes the Bible calls the resurrection of Jesus the first fruits, meaning this, that, that Christ's resurrection is a foreshadowing of the general resurrection of the body. The fact that he rose from the dead means that those who believe in him will one day rise from the dead. We would say this when, when we recite the creed, I believe in the resurrection and the life everlasting. And how we respond today will determine the word that we hear on that day. Because not only is he coming, the scripture says that he's coming to be a judge. And how we respond to the acceptance of his forgiveness today will determine the word that we hear from him on that day. See, Christ and his promise is worth persevering for because of the resurrection. Beloved, those who are, are tired in this Christian life, who have, who have been beat down by obstacles, we can look forward to that day and it will be a day of vindication. We can look forward to that day and it will be a day of rest. See, the day of celebration will be on that day and the fight for faithfulness will be shown to be worth it. The Apostle Paul at the end of his life when he is in prison, spent his whole life preaching the gospel, he's like, he's in prison, he says, listen, Listen, I've almost finished this, this race. And when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to give me a crown of righteousness. He's going to give it to me and every single person who has looked forward to his appearing. Beloved, those in Christ, those who are tired, no, no, we keep going because there will be a day of vindication when we will realize that every single sacrifice that was made in the effort to pursue Christ was completely and utterly 100% worth it. And beloved, those who might not be able to be characterized by faithfulness, Christ and his promise of forgiveness is worth repenting for because of the resurrection. 
It's worth letting go of guilt and shame. It's worth letting go of the love of sin because Christ on that day will raise you. And you will receive forgiveness. And so, beloved, the scriptures say that today is the day of salvation. Today is the, the day of faith. Faith meaning that, listen, I realize that I, I haven't done all the right things. I, I, I might have been like Peter and I might have been, been dodging him and I might have rejected him with my life or with my words. But today I can believe that when Christ died on that cross, that my sins were nailed to that cross. And just as Christ's resurrection is his vindication, I get to share in that, that declaration of innocence and righteousness. And beloved, today is the day of repentance. I don't, you don't have to cling to your sin. You don't have to cling to your shame. You don't have to hide in the shadows. But today is the day that Jesus is Lord. And that doesn't mean that I'm strong, but it means that in his lordship, he forgives me. So the call is that we would not let this day pass without thinking about what Jesus has done. Implicit in the speak of resurrection is this understanding of death. Yeah? If we're going to talk about resurrection, then we got to talk about what happens before, which is death. We don't like to think about death. But the Bible says that we should think about death so that we will learn to live wisely. All of us will die. All of us will face judgment. And what we have done in response to what Jesus has done will determine what Christ will say to us. It's impossible to think about the glories of resurrection without death in you. So beloved, if you have been walking with Christ, if Christ has, has been your life and your breath, death doesn't have to strike you as fearful. Death is not the end. Death is the, the doorway to resurrection. And if you would say, I haven't followed him, I haven't placed my trust in him, I, I've been just trapped in guilt and shame, and, and if you feel this, this sense, i got to clean myself up in order for it to be okay, no, beloved, that means that you don't understand it. It's Christ's job to clean you up. But if you call out to him, for forgiveness and life, he will give it to you today. And on the last day, you will be among those who have been resurrected for the life everlasting. This is the hope of our faith. That death does not have the final word. The final word is Christ. And those who trust in him will see the resurrection as surely as he has been risen from the dead. Let's take a moment to, to meditate and pray on what we heard. If, if, if you are here and, and, you, and you haven't felt the forgiveness of sins, you, you haven't walked with Christ today, you can do that. So I, I call you, I urge you to call out to Christ. Confess your sins. To call on him 
for forgiveness, saying, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to follow you. I don't want to try to clean myself up. I need you to clean me up. For those who have been with Christ, call out to him for perseverance. Lord, help me to persevere. Help me to, to, to see and to know that there will be a day of resurrection and vindication. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us this good news of resurrection. That as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we also look forward to the resurrection of his people and the life everlasting. When every tear will be wiped away, all the darkness will be dispelled. and There will only be joy and goodness and peace. Lord, strengthen us with that message today and every single day. Help us to know that it is worth it to believe in you. It is worth it to follow you. Because all those who call on your name will never be put to shame. It's for the glory of God the Father, in the name of God the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, I pray.